HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by The Green Grape. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 30th, 2019. This is the 203rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the founder of a membership club for hospitality enthusiasts, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. And then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to believe that everything will work out no matter what the circumstance. Know that there is a solution to every problem. Be a glass half full person rather than half empty and always keep a positive attitude. When the unexpected comes your way, and you know it will, don't fret. Instead, think optimistically and don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right, as Mr. Bob Marley has said. That is my tip today. Now, for my regular listeners, uh, I had announced last week that Chef J.J. Johnson was going to be on the show today. He had to reschedule and uh, stay tuned for that when we get a new date. But instead, I have a new fabulous guest here with me in the studio. It is Benji Leibowitz. He is the founder of In-House, a membership club for people who care about restaurants. Born and raised in London, Benji's hospitality career began in New York City in 2009 and includes working at the Nomad, initially as the head maitre d' before being promoted to director of guest relations. Inspired by his personal desire to link and extend hospitality to an appreciative audience, in-house was born in 2015 and became a full-time endeavor in 2016. So welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Uh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm excited to hear all about in-house. And, and as you noted right before the show, we are doing back-to-back Englishman uh, guest episodes. I know. I'm very proud <laughs> to, uh, to be following Simon from last week. Yeah, it's I pretty cool. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, so let's start out with, with your background a bit. You're from London, and yeah. what what was your childhood like? Were you interested in restaurants back then? No, I kind of uh, fell into the hospitality industry. Uh, okay, as I think quite a few, uh, yeah. quite a few of us did. Like um, me, <laughs> yeah, like you, and I think Simon mentioned last week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in in London. Uh, first generation English. My mother's Italian. My father's South African. Oh wow! And um, uh, so you know, uh, slightly different English experience. My my childhood was uh, salami and coffee, not tea and crumpets. Um, so a slightly different sort of uh, experience growing up there. 
and uh, we were always really encouraged to travel and explore different cultures, different cuisines, and you know, ultimately ended up moving out here, which uh, was really fun uh, 10 years ago, and I haven't looked back since. So you're just drawn into the New York City lifestyle and, and restaurant scene, I guess. Yeah, so I initially came out here looking to work in uh, non-profits. Okay. And I came out here and I picked up a restaurant job on the side to make a little bit of extra catch. And that restaurant was a restaurant called Faustina, which was a Scott Conan restaurant. I don't know if you remember it. I do. I saw that in a longer bio of yours and I was thinking back about it. And I've I've always been a Scott fan. He's 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 a, a, a great really chef, restaurateur, yeah. Yeah. nice guy. Yeah. yeah. So. No, and it was a really exciting time and that was in two thousand and nine. Okay. And the general manager of the project was uh, Jeff Tascarella, who had helped Scott open up uh, uh, Petter initially on 14th Street. And Jeff was the guy who really sort of helped me understand that there was an opportunity to build a career in the industry, not just uh, have a part-time job. And from that point onwards, I was sort of hooked. And I followed Jeff onto Nomad and the rest is history. All right. Well, listeners, you can go back. I, I had Jeff on my show a while ago. Did you really? Yes. Gosh. Yeah. Before, well, now... Is he, he's in Los Angeles or is he in Las Vegas? He's between the two. I okay. just saw him t- two weeks ago in, uh, I saw him two weeks ago in LA, but he's, his family is based in Vegas at the moment and he's overseeing both those properties because Nomad obviously opened right. up there last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah Je- I did do a show with Jeff. He was, it was great. He's, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Really I could see guy. why you would, you would follow him there. And yeah, it made me think back when, when I, I lived in Chicago before New York and I worked in restaurants and I was a server at Charlie Trotter's. Oh, wow. And that was like the high-end, very intense yeah. uh, front of the house experience that I have. Uh, but I remember it, it, can't, it kind of became clear from that job that either you become a lifer and someone who works in restaurants and, and that's something you do, or maybe it's a side job and then you, you maybe move on and do other things. Right. So when you just said that, just kind of that was your moment where you're sort of like, I can do this as a career. Right. And I think what's become really interesting and what we're starting to see a little bit is that now there are so many other opportunities of other things that are happening in the space for people who are passionate about hospitality mm-hmm. but have other interests, whether it's media and people doing podcasts and getting involved in food journalism, whether it's tech and hospitality, and you've seen you know, a huge rise of different companies in, in, in that regard. Um, and there's a different professionalization. I think there are now different opportunities for people who do want to commit their careers to being involved in the hospitality industry but maybe want to move on past, you know, working on the floor of a restaurant. Um, yeah, absolutely yeah. true. And that's perfect segue into what you're doing now. Yeah. So how did you come up with this idea for in-house? So the whole thing came together fairly organically while I, while I was at Nomad. I wasn't uh-huh. trying to start a business. Right. Um, and Jeff Tascarella was there right at the beginning uh, with me. And of course, uh, Will Godara, um, who uh, owns and runs Nomad in Madison Park. Right. Um, And really what happened was I was there as director of guest relations. And what that meant was really thinking about guest experience and guest relations across the thousand plus people that were coming through the restaurant every day. Uh, Between breakfast, lunch, dinner and the bars and events, it was a pretty busy property. And, you know, we were fortunate to be a big, busy New York restaurant. Um, But I think, you know, most restaurateurs will tell you that regulars are really the lifeblood of their business. And that was something that I wanted to try and think about a little bit more strategically. And so uh, we put together a pilot program with Jeff and Will's blessing and a little bit of their advice. And we put together a group of 13 restaurants in the beginning from across New York, some more fine dining, some a little bit more casual, but all restaurants that were kind of like-minded in their hospitality approach. And in the beginning, it was restaurants like uh, Blue Hill and Casamono. Charlie Bird, I think, was there in the beginning, The Modern. Uh, so some it's a nice really, list, uh, yeah. a great list. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Fedora was there back in the beginning, Gabe's uh, restaurants, of course. And all restaurants that, you know, were interested in collaborating and communicating around guest experience and around hospitality. And we asked each restaurant to invite five of their favorite regulars into this program. It wasn't their biggest spenders. It wasn't their most frequent guests. It wasn't their investors. It was people who were real supporters and ambassadors for their, for their restaurants. And we built a reciprocity network across the maitre d's at those restaurants and those great regulars. And we just wanted to try and see if we could put together a small pilot program in the, in the industry. 
and immediately every restaurant started seeing new new repeat guests, which was really exciting. So I'm um, I'm thinking in my head. You said 13 restaurants, five each. What's mm-hmm. that like? 65. 60. Okay, yeah. 65. Um, and what what did those 65 people? What did they get? They got reservations at the other restaurants. They got introductions to. So it was very manual in the beginning, okay. and, and we called it sort of a little reciprocity network. And the idea was to try and honor the relationship that people had built at one place across this small network. And so part of that was helping with uh, discovery and access. So absolutely, if you're an amazing longtime regular of uh, Fedora and you want to come visit Nomad, we were really excited to try and welcome you into the restaurant. And then there was also trying to uh, make introductions between the teams. So if you knew uh, the general manager and the bartender and the owner and the chef and so on at one restaurant, we wanted to help introduce you to some of their counterparts at other restaurants. Our members have always been people who really care about the people behind the places as much as their actual dining experiences. Mm -hmm. And that was something that we were really keen to foster. And then we would also share some dining profile information. Because if you're looking at these kinds of restaurants and the way in which they think about guest experience, it's really helpful to know that you know, someone really loves Riesling or someone, you know, has a real sweet tooth or prefers to sit in a corner table. And we were able to sort of um, uh, take from some of the uh, relationships that had been built and some of the experiences that were catered to at one place and translate that across the city, which was quite exciting. That's very cool. So when you say we, well, we'll talk about if you have a team now, how you've grown, but back at the beginning, were you the one doing these introductions. It was very hands-on. It was me on an iPhone. Okay. It was me on an iPhone while I was still sort of uh, running my team at Nomad. And, you know, again, I hadn't really thought past that at that point. And then it got to a point where we started to grow kind of organically. We were very fortunate that, you know, other restaurants heard what we were up to and were kind of interested in what we were doing. And before I knew it, we were working with a group of 30 restaurants. And then a colleague of mine uh, on our management team at Nomad uh, joined me as my business partner, Nick Michelle. Um, and we decided, hang on, there might actually be something more exciting here. And so we left in 2016, raised some seed funding and put together a slightly more comprehensive program. And you said it already. Today we say we're a membership club <laughs> for people who care about restaurants. And so what we've done since is really pull together Um, leading industry professionals and a curated group of great regulars and dining enthusiasts and we've pulled together this really fantastic community of like-minded people who share a similar interest and passion for hospitality and through bookings and through events and through content we're looking to try and provide an opportunity for that community to engage and interact. Uh, Currently we're working with over 60 restaurants now uh, across New York and London and hopefully soon uh, some other markets as well. Excellent. Okay, so let's take a little break here, and then we're going to come back and, and hear more about all the exciting things you're doing with in-house. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is presented by The Green Grape, a family of three businesses on Fulton Street committed to supporting small-scale farms, celebrating seasonality, and delighting our customers. Order local, pasture-raised meats and cheeses to pair with our selection of fine wines and spirits, and we'll deliver it to your door at no extra charge. From great local gifts to providing you all you need for a delicious meal, The Green Grape offers truly special and hard-to-find products created by New York's community of local makers. Support independent grocers and our site to learn more. Visit greengrape.com. That's green with an E. G-R-E-E-N-E-G-R-A-P-E dot com. Welcome back to Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Benji Leibowitz. He's the founder of In-House, which is a membership club for people who care about restaurants. So let's talk a little about your membership and what's the process to becoming a a member because I will share this with you. I don't know if you know this, but you probably do because you are that hospitality guy. I looked back on my email, January 2018. I have an email from you. 
about membership, about how you can possibly become a member. Because somehow I was on a list, one year list. And I don't know, I never, I did not become a member and apply and, and it didn't move forward for me. But I always find I'm not. I don't know if I'm your your membership type because I'm even though I'm totally industry, I right, eat right. out constantly. I travel for restaurants, but I that that's the thing. I just go myself. Like, right, right. I'm so I don't know. So who are your members, and should I be a member? Well, yes, you're we, gonna say yes, need, of we, course. Of course, we need to <laughs> bring you bring you in house. Um, I love that. But, bring um, me in house. Yeah. There's the name, but. Um, uh, there's a couple of different ways we think about membership. So historically, you know, membership was by invitation from a management team at one of the one of our restaurant partners, um, and we've since opened that up a little bit. So uh, we now have an application form online, and membership is now either by invitation still through the management team at a restaurant, or application online. And as as part of your application online, we do ask for a restaurant sponsor. And there we will look to, to get a written reference from a manager or owner at a restaurant, uh, either in New York or if you're a traveling member from, from a different city, in order to try and make sure that we're curating um, an audience of members who have already proven that they're invested in building relationships in the industry. We also uh, offer honorary membership to anyone in a management position or corporate position or ownership position within our restaurant partners. And so that's our way of really making sure that we're involving leading industry professionals. Where we've struggled is how do we bring in people like yourself who are doing really interesting things, who are promoting hospitality, who are in the media space or the cultural space or the consultancy space. Um, And that's something that we're still exploring. But we do have a tier of membership that we call our cultural ambassador program. And that's, yeah, and uh, I think that has your name all over it. So, you know, that's our way of trying to bring in yeah. people who we think are doing really exciting things in the space or might, might even be doing exciting things in other cultural, um, uh, cultural industries and disciplines that we're keen to sort of bring in to uh, help us sort of grow a diversity within the membership base. Right. So what, you have a few different types of membership? Yeah. Um, so we have uh, uh, our, our core membership, which is our hospitalitarian membership, um, which is for people living in New York or London. We then have a traveler membership for people who are living outside of New York and London, but who might find themselves in the cities and you know available to make the most of our bookings platform and come to our events. Um, and then we have this cultural ambassador program as well, which is our way of sort of, uh, you'll learn about that soon when, Fa- you, when you join us. Fabulous, we'll talk more about that yeah. later. So you have your first public event coming up, yeah. correct? Called Home Away From Home. Yeah. So tell me about that. So this is an event that we're really excited about because uh, firstly, it's our our first ever public event. Um, We host uh, events uh, monthly and sometimes more frequently uh, for our uh, members and for our our industry. And that includes uh, dinners and wine tastings and speakers and uh, pre-opening tours of restaurants and all sorts of fun things happening in the hospitality space. Um, But we're really keen to sort of be able to welcome in excuse me, welcome in a larger audience. Um, And this one is bringing over the Barbary team from London, which is a fantastic restaurant team uh, that we're proud to work with in London. They also own the Palomar restaurant and and Evelyn's Table in London. Um, I've been to the Palomar. You've been to the Palomar. It's delicious, right? I'm I'm proud. Yes, it's delicious. And it's great. I was solo and it's a great restaurant for solo dining. Because they've got that fantastic kitchen counter. Yeah. Yeah, I found I was in London a year and a half ago, and I found there were a lot of restaurants that had these kitchen-type bar counters, which I love and are so welcoming to anyone, but especially when you're solo. It's it's Absolutely. just the best place to sit. Yeah, well, you'll you'll love the Barbary on okay. your next visit. Okay, my next because, trip, yeah. Because the Barbary is, is counter-seating only. They've got this beautiful okay. horseshoe bar. It kind of looks a little bit like Maison Premier's kind of horseshoe bar, uh, but with a kitchen in the middle instead of a bar. Oh, nice. And... Um, and so, you know, we're uh, good friends with that team and we're proud to work with them in London. And for, for a while now, I've been really wanting to bring out one of the restaurant teams that we're working with in London to do a collaborative pop-up with a team out here. And so they'll be joining us next week, Tuesday, February 5th and Wednesday, February 6th at Fedora. And we're doing a, 
collaborative event with uh, Gabe Stallman and his team there, which should be a lot of fun. And we just opened up a couple of uh, a couple of last-minute uh, tables on the later side that I think are still available on Resi. So, for anyone listening out there, we'd love for you to join us. Great. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. You know, from everything I know about it, I yeah, yeah. and I'm so due to go back to Fedora too. I haven't been there recently. But he has such a great restaurant group here. Yeah, no, and those guys really, uh, I think, speak to a style of hospitality that's so authentic and warm and welcoming. Um, and uh, we're very proud to work with those t- those guys and those teams. Yeah. So when you say when when you say we, yeah, how big is your team now? Is it just two people or? It's small, but it's great. There's five okay. of us. All right. And um, we're we're in the process of um, of hiring both in New York and now as we begin to set our sights on the west coast and um, also expanding in london um, we're going to be hiring some teams there so again if there's anyone listening who's (laughs) interested in what we're doing then uh, please do get in touch well that's that's very cool so i saw that you just secured a two million dollar investment that was some big press release went out on that so what's what's next and what what how did were you seeking obviously were you you were seeking some sort of capital to support your next steps yeah i think you know at some level um you're always looking for uh interesting strategic partnerships Mm -hmm. um and funding that makes sense and we feel very fortunate to have uh, found a group of investors in this last round um who are really excited about helping us uh, expand what we've been working on in new york and again a little bit in london and opening that up uh, on a larger scale and what started as this little reciprocity program uh, amongst maitre d's and has since graduated into this membership club bringing together industry professionals and dining enthusiasts we're keen to now take one step further and build a contemporary global restaurant network uh, pulling together really dynamic industry teams and really dynamic interested hospitality enthusiasts and we're going to be sort of expanding our events program in different markets We're doing some fun things on the booking side that we've got planned. And then we're keen to do a little bit of content as well. I don't think podcasts anytime soon. (laughs) But um, but, but we're really really excited to to build a platform Mm -hmm. um, for people to to engage in and for people to feel like they're at the forefront of what's happening in the hospitality space in different markets around the world. So can you say what what, uh, your next market may be or what, what... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so San Francisco will be our next market okay. in the U.S. Um, and then most likely, it's great um, city. yeah, it's great fantastic. City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just out there um, uh, two weeks ago in, in L.A. and SF and uh, doing a little bit of R&D. And I think uh, SF will come on first and then L.A. I'm really excited about Chicago, which I know you uh, you started uh, your yeah, hospitality career Yeah, Chicago there. has an amazing, amazing dining scene. I'm thinking those people today because it's extremely cold there today yeah, yeah. we're getting a snowstorm here all of a sudden in bushwick but uh yeah but they've Chicago, got, yeah, yeah they've got something else i don't think <laughs> i mean i don't know if, what's happening with restaurants particularly there today because it's so cold you know oh, I'm i sure think i saw had to close, yeah. I, yeah i saw a few few people did comment uh i saw on twitter they weren't going to be open but anyways yeah chicago's a terrific dining scene and and more so than when I lived there, it was it was a little more limited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think they've they've done some really exciting things over the last few years, and there's also a, a really great community, industry community out there, and that's something that's really important to us is uh, finding ways to support and champion um, these these industry communities in these different cities. And I think you know you know only too well that in New York there's a real. Uh, um, uh, strong sort of uh, beating heart in the in the hospitality industry um, and it's been really exciting for us to be able to play our part in that yeah definitely do you find that it's the same that way in London like what's the how do you compare London to New York I think every every city has slightly different um, uh, dynamics and with London what's interesting is um, most of the restaurant teams that we're working there most of the concepts that kind of at the forefront that are more exciting tend to be younger um, restaurateur chef owner teams out here particularly in New York at the moment I think that the big groups continue to really own the stage and of course there are some some smaller operators who are doing some really exciting things um, but even there you're seeing you know um, 
the uh, what started off as just Charlie Bird, you know, now the team have three restaurants. Mm-hmm. What started off as just Lilia, now they have two restaurants. What started off as Estella, now they have three restaurants. And so even those teams are sort of growing at quite a pace. In London, you're still seeing um, some really young entrepreneurial teams. Um, and that's really exciting and it's fun to be able to support those teams. Uh, but there's also sort of not quite the same uh, maturity in some ways on the business side, I think. And I think London's a, a slightly tougher market on the restaurant side than New York. Um, when, when our friends come over, our industry friends come over from London, they're shocked that restaurants get a 5.30 and a 10.30 seating in New York because that's <laughs> not really quite something that London gets. Um, but the, I think London's doing some really exciting things, just like I think um, L.A. at the moment is a really exciting scene. I, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, really. I need to I need to get back to both. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I was in Los Angeles about a little over a year ago, too. Uh, and it's so much has changed and happened since then. And it seems like it was seems so long ago, even though it wasn't. And I need to get back because um, there's so many exciting places I want to check out. Well, I, I hadn't been in, in forever. And yeah. I, I found the scene there really interesting as well, because, um, again, I think in some ways that there are more uh, cutting edge concepts in L.A. than you'll find in, in New York or San Francisco at the moment. They really seem to be doing some interesting things, both in terms of uh, the size of the restaurants, the uh, the menus that are coming out. Um, and and yet, in some ways, the industry is, is not quite as close knit. And part of that, I think, is a geographic challenge, which is... You know, in New York, if you uh, run a restaurant, you know, maybe when you're closing up on your way home, you stop in and say hi to your friends down the street who also have a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Or you might go meet a friend, you know, for a post-shift drink. When your restaurant's a 20-minute Uber apart, you know, and right. in, in L.A., it's, it's tough to get to see people as much. Um, and so I'm really interested to see how we're going to, you know, we've started thinking about how we're going to approach that. Um, because I think... You know, there's absolutely an appetite from the industry out there to be better connected and to find opportunities for collaboration. And whether that's through supporting each other's uh, uh, staff, supporting each other's regulars, collaborating around events, um, the appetite's there. But it's a it's a different market. Yeah, it's, it's a different, different things are spread out. I grew up in Miami. The same thing. You get right. your car to drive to the restaurant that's 20 minutes from another restaurant you may want to go to. You know, it's it's not. It's not like New York. It's not like London. London's, I find, very easy to walk around and kind of get different neighborhoods depending on where you are. But I think it, it has a similarity to New York. Yeah. But what I think what I think is really underlying it all is um, I think there's this pervasive uh, notion of a dining culture that has really uh, come out over the last few years. And I think back even sort of five, ten years ago, the way that people used to travel, whether it was you're going to London, you're going to L.A., used to be, oh, well, um, which museums are you going to or which galleries are you going to? And now, whether you work in the industry or not, right. it's where you're eating and where you're drinking, right? And we often sort of draw that parallel in terms of thinking about what we're really excited about and this notion of dining culture. And I think if you care about art and you live in New York, you might be a friend of MoMA. And that's part of your cultural identity in the city. It might be part of your social calendar. Mm-hmm. It's a way to meet fellow art lovers. Maybe you go and hear a curator give a, give a talk. And it's a way of contributing back to a cultural institution that you care about. And I think for us, we believe that there are people working in the industry and also people who really care about the industry and want to be involved in the industry. And if you want to explore great dining experiences, meet the people behind the places, meet some fellow dining enthusiasts or cocktail nerds, uh, get involved and and participate in an engaging way and and support those teams, then we'd like to invite you to be in-house. So... Yeah. That's that's one way that sort of we think and I think that that exists in LA, London, New York, Copenhagen and so on. Yeah, that's I I can see that. Is your membership of a certain age group or 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 more heavily male than female or is it is it I mean what's your what's your Yeah, so we've got members in the 20s and members in the 80s okay. and everything in between, but I'd say our our core membership group is sort of um, 35 to 50. Okay. Um, we've been quite disciplined about making sure that we do have equal representation, male, female, and also across industries as well. I was very nervous that it was going to skew finance heavy. Um, but I think if you look at our membership base, it's a microcosm of New York. We have people in media, people in fashion, people in 
um, finance people and publishing and everything in between. Um, yeah. And what's really fun is when we do do these events and, uh, you know, like we're doing next week, everyone gets in the room and immediately has this shared interest and passion. And it's a little bit, I, it reminds me of sort of an alumni uh, weekend for a, for a college or a, or a school. It doesn't matter what year you graduated, mm-hmm. everyone sort of has something in common and is excited to sort of talk about these shared experiences. Well, fantastic. I'm, I'm very happy for you and everything that, that you came up with this idea and Thank you've, you. you've, you've taken it far and it's going to, sounds like it's going further. So thanks very much. Um, we'll have to stay tuned for what's, what's more, more to come. Okay. So let's take a little break here and we're going to come back and we'll play my speed round game and we'll talk some industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Kathy Irway, and I'm the host of Eat Your Words here on HRN. Every week I sit down with food writers to talk about their newest work, from colorful cookbooks to food memoirs to exposés on the food industry. It's all meaty topic for discussion. You can find Eat Your Words wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Benji Leibowitz. And it's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I name a few things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. Test one. Great. Okay. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Uh, Right now, cocktail. How about tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Definitely large plates, so you can share. <laughs> Communal table or chef's counter? That's a tough one. Um, I enjoy both, but it's tough to pass up a chef's counter. Yeah. That's, that's always my draw, the chef's counter. Okay, a few more. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of hospitality included as a concept. Oh. Um, it continues to have its challenges, but um, you know I also come from the European tradition where there's less of a tipping culture, so I'll throw my hat in uh, all included. Okay. I thought you, I, when you started, I thought you were going to go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> How about the Nomad Masquerade or EMP Derby Party? Which I don't think uh, they're doing anymore. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, stand by uh, my former team at Nomad and say Nomad Masquerade. Have you okay. been? I, I've been once. Yeah, it's quite a party. It's it's unbelievable the amount of details that go on into any event that the Nomad team does. <laughs> you want to know the most impressive thing about the Nomad Masquerade is that they still, from the first year we did it all the way through, and I was there for three of them, uh, we still serve breakfast for hotel guests the next morning at 7 a.m. So there's a team that works through the night to turn the entire restaurant back. And you saw what it, what it looks like yeah. at, at 4 a.m., right? There's a team that comes in uh, that is high-fiving the breakfast team as they're coming in at 6.30 to get ready for 7 a.m. People don't who are there probably do not realize or forget that you're in a hotel, even though you know you're in a right. hotel. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to... I'll have to I'll have to go back again, and uh, yeah, it's quite it's, a it's quite party. a party, yeah. quite a party. Okay, how about a night out for live music or a night out for comedy? Comedy. Ah, comedy guy. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate, every time. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or London? Uh, Manhattan. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's the game. You're quick. Played. You played a good game. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm ha- very happy with my answers. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. Because I say you could change them, but nah, you can't no, change no, no. them. I'm, I'm happy. All right. He's happy with them. Yeah. Okay. So industry news. I picked out an article on Bloomberg. 
It's titled, Want to Try the Most Exciting Food in America? Leave New York City. Smaller cities like Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and Asheville are where the culinary heat is right now. Here's what you need to know. And this is by Kate Crater and Margaret Sutherland. So I I love Kate. I'm a big fan of hers and everything she says, and she knows her stuff. I feel, you know, it's true. There's so much happening in other smaller cities and markets, and she knows how to pick them. I mean, on her list, she has Indianapolis. I know she's been talking about this place, Milk Tooth, for a while. It's like, put it, definitely, you know, Indianapolis wasn't a place, so, you know, totally on my radar. And then right. you start hearing about these amazing plate restaurants and things happening there. So um, I think, I think you know, yeah, there's a lot happening in, in these cities that I find, though, New York City, though, by volume, I always think you can't compete with us because right. we have, you can't possibly eat your way through New York. I try. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just so, the landscape's changing yeah. uh, constantly. And, constantly. Uh, and there's still so many amazing classics that you can't even find time to get around. Exactly. Um, but I think it's really interesting, this idea. I, I also thought it was a great piece and, and, a, and a really interesting mm-hmm. look at what is happening in uh, what uh, Kate sort of referred to as second cities. Yes. Um, and as it happens, one of my best meals of last year was at a restaurant that she highlighted in Asheville, a oh. restaurant called Kurate, um, which was, and we sat at uh, the chef's counter there, which was, uh, which was fantastic. And it, it really did feel like that was a restaurant that would be difficult to imagine in New York and so you know I haven't eaten in Indianapolis I haven't been to Indianapolis and I haven't been to uh, Minneapolis and I haven't been to uh, yeah. some of these other cities um, but I think you know they are finding uh, ways to build their own uh, versions of uh, dining culture their own original concepts um, in, a, in a really exciting way um, and and and, in, and I think there's now a, an appetite from people living in those cities to allow chefs to be more adventurous than perhaps in the past. Um, Absolutely. Which is really what made that restaurant? What made you feel that way that you couldn't see that restaurant in New York, or that just there was something about it, it's local? There, I don't yeah, know. It's there feel. was. Um, uh, first of all, the, just the setup of the restaurant. Uh-huh. It was. Um, uh, it's funny, actually, it was quite a small restaurant, but they bought the uh, the space next door and sort of expanded. Um, but it it just, it felt just so distinct and it felt, it's actually, it's not local cuisine, um, but it, it just, maybe part of it was the local hospitality. Um, maybe it was just the, the pace of the mm-hmm. dining room felt less frenetic than New York, which <laughs> is kind of a, uh, you know, right. it's something that you always feel when you're in a New York restaurant, which is exciting. But um it just felt right in that time and place, um, and 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 I was I, I felt very happy to have found it. Yeah, well, I would love. I've never been to Asheville. Also on her list, she had San Antonio. Never been yeah. there. Minneapolis. I've been talking for probably five years about how I have to get to Minneapolis <laughs> to go visit Kevin Kaysen and, yes. and his team. Yeah. Yes, and I mean he has he has. I think he's opening a third place, but he there's. There was even what High High was on Esquire's best new restaurant list. Like, there's lots of other things happening there. I don't want to go right now. Well, it's so cold, right. but maybe maybe this summer I can swing a trip there. And also, she mentioned Philadelphia, which I'm excited. I'm I'm going to be going to. They have a, a chef, a Philly chef conference in the beginning of March. I'm going to be going to that and. I get, I'm super excited because there's so many restaurants in Philadelphia that are new and I haven't been to. She named this place uh, uh, Soraya, which I've heard incredible things yeah. about. So, yeah, these these smaller cities or secondary cities, whatever, they definitely have a, a lot going on. Yeah. No, and I think the Gavin Kaysen model is a really interesting model because, you know, he mm-hmm. was in New York for so long and, you know, had such a strong following here and... And then he wanted to go home and he brought that back and he's helped, I think, elevate the entire um, city in terms of, you know, really what they're putting out now. And he's put it on the map in a really exciting way. And I think you're going to start to see more of that already. You know, we hear from uh, people that we work with in the industry of people saying, you know what, they get to a certain point in their life. Maybe they're starting to have a family. Maybe they, you know, they're looking for a different pace of life, but they want to stay in the hospitality industry and they want to take back what they learned at uh Jean Georges, or what they learned at Union Square Hospitality Group, and so on, to Austin or San Antonio or yeah. Philadelphia or wherever it might be, 
and it's great for for everyone. Absolutely, it has been happening, and it's it's yeah, it's a I don't want to call it a trend, but maybe it's it's a movement or it's a it's something that's been. There are chefs that are, are going home and, and bringing everything they know with them and right. um, exciting things happening. And speaking of Gavin Kaysen, so I saw a couple hours ago, it's a Bacuse d'Ora competition is yeah. happening in Lyon. And I go onto Instagram, they have they have the Instagram live going. So I saw, oh. I saw them announce the winner and Denmark took first place this year. Oh, really? So Denmark took first, Sweden took silver and Norway took bronze. So Scandinavia did very well. Yeah. And the US didn't place this year, but they've, well, you shame. know. But they did they, so well uh, last year. So. Yeah, the past, they really have. And um, it's just exciting. It's such a, it's an exciting competition to be a part of it. And it, it's very impressive what, I mean, Gavin was. Has been so involved, yeah. you know, for, for such a long time. I'm sure he was, I'm sure he's yeah, there. I'm sure he's there. Yeah, yeah he is yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, I think, I feel like one year I want to, I want to go out for it. I've been yeah. to Lyon once. Well, I went. No, it was a, that was a different trip. <laughs> I'm like putting things together. It was like when I had a London trip. No, I went to Paris one year, and I also went to Lyon, uh, and it's such a charming city. Yeah. I'd like to. It would be. It seems like it's like it is the Olympics. It's some energy, and I think it would be really fun to be a part of it. Yeah, and what's amazing is that they partner these um, hugely acclaimed chefs. So they'll bring in, you know, Gavin and uh, Thomas Keller, of course, very involved on the U.S. team, and then. Every country has their team and these sort of very prominent chefs. And then they bring in these, you know, uh, real emerging talent, young mm-hmm. guys. And I think every team, uh, it's mandatory that they have someone on the team who's sort of under 21 or something, who's, you know, uh, just a real uh, talent in the kitchen. And, and it's an amazing opportunity. We know a few people who've gone through it. And it's, it just gives them, uh, you know, really opens everything up for them yeah. in their careers. No, absolutely, and I hope I, I don't get this wrong, but uh, Karen Goodlad, who's a professor at Brooklyn City Tech, who uh, their hospitality program, she came on my show, and she's a friend, and she, a student of hers, uh, has been a part of this team, and I think she is that young representative that you're right. talking about that has been been working on this for the past year or so. Yeah. So um, no, it's a real commitment. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to be uh, such a young chef, and then you're you're working with Thomas Keller and right. <laughs> Daniel Ballou, yeah. and yeah. it's you've kind of you probably got to get like get your act together. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be intimidated, but it's it's probably an amazing experience. So yeah, okay, so we're going to take one more break. We'll come back. I'll do my solo dining experience, and then we'll have the final question. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Call Your Mother Deli. Here's the rundown. The location, 3301 Georgia Avenue Northwest, Parkview, Washington, D.C. The concept, a Jew-ish deli. And they also say Boca meets Brooklyn. The owner, Andrew Dana, and the chef, Daniela Morera. So why did I go? Well, I was out in D.C. a couple weeks ago, and I love bagels and locks, and heard this place was great. So my experience. On a Friday afternoon, I went for a late breakfast, and it was good timing. There was It was pretty full, but there wasn't a line to order until after I ordered. All of a sudden, there was all these people behind me. Uh, so you order at a counter, and you get a number, and I had gotten some coffee, so I sat down. They had these fun rocking chairs by the window, and big counter 
too. So it was kind of fun sitting in a rocking chair. I had my bagel. I had my coffee. Uh, and uh, it was great. So what did I get? So they have a bunch of signature sandwiches. But what I wanted and what I got was I wanted cream cheese and salmon. And I had veggie toppings. And I tried their Zatar bagel, which is something I don't know if I've ever had a Zatar bagel. Uh, but it was it's, it was great. It's kind of like an everything bagel, but more emphasis on the Zatar spice. And I had my coffee. So my take, great food combo, as I knew. It was a delicious bagel. They've styled their bagels. It's supposed to be the chew of a New York bagel and the sweetness of a Montreal dough. So that's their style. And the ambiance, it's very happy. They have lots of pastel colors and fine, fine signage. And they have a massive hot pink Mara Forney brick oven is the centerpiece. And it kind of felt a bit kitschy and homey and these rocking chairs and it's it's really fun they also have a big communal table smack in the middle of the space and it's square so i don't know there were lots of people sitting around having having breakfast and it, it just had a good vibe so i'd say it's perfect for bagel lovers interesting tidbit the owners also run timber pizza company which is a popular pizza place in dc personal fun fact so when i when I was ordering, I noticed they have a display counter next to the register where they're also selling some products. And I saw the matzah project on there, which is my childhood friend, uh, uh, camp friend, Ashley Albert's matzah company. And she also was a guest on my show. Uh, so I just thought it was cool to see that, that they had that as something they were they were so- selling. So the cost of my bagel with my coffee was $14. That's including everything, tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. I've heard they had great babka, and I really sh- should have gotten that, but I didn't. So next time, I'll get the babka. Their website is callyourmotherdeli.com. There you go. Are you a, a, a bagel person? <laughs> uh, you know, um, this, pl- this place sounds great. Uh, I, live, I live near Russ and Daughters. Oh, um, lucky yeah. you. So um, I've definitely learned to become a bagel person. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not as much of a London English they, thing, they, they right? Do it, they don't do it in the UK as much, but um, yeah, no, I'm, I, I, I love a bagel with locks, and um, yeah, uh, that sounds like a, a really interesting place. Are they open in the evenings as well, or was it just more of a daytime? It's uh, just daytime. I think they close. I think it's breakfast until about two p.m. Okay, or maybe three, but that's it was two or three. And did it feel like most people were getting to take out or most people were sort of staying in the uh, in the space? Most, it was a mix, but I feel like more people were staying. Yeah. Um, well, I think if you, have you been yeah. to the Russ and Daughters sit, oh, sorry, the Russ and Daughters sit down cafe? I have. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. you know, it was amazing that it took them, you know, <laughs> four generations before they opened it. Um, but I think that's really, you know, uh, changed everything. And it really, a really has. Fun way to yeah. enjoy Russ and Daughters. Now. And I, I met, I met someone for breakfast there, like a business meeting. I don't know, maybe six months ago. We met right at nine o'clock when they opened, yep. and there was a line. Yeah. And it was like a Tuesday. I, I, I was, I couldn't. Be- we almost didn't get in. Yeah. <laughs> it fills up very quick. It was impressive. Impressive. Yeah. And so. they do well. Okay, so let's do the final question. So next week, my guest is Mark Rosati. He is the culinary director at Shake Shack. And he travels so much more than me. And people on the show know I travel a lot. (laughs) He's on the plane constantly, and he's opening Shake Shacks around the world. So what would you like to ask Mark? I don't know if you know him. Um. I, I know him by reputation. I've okay. never met Mark, but um, he's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, and it's uh, it's amazing what he and his team have done over the last few years. Um, I, have, I have a question for him as a uh, as a chef, as a, I, I believe his title is culinary director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, and it's a question that I enjoy asking chefs from time to time, which is um, if he could have been a part of any restaurant team, past or present, which team would that have been, and during what period? And I, I, I think it's kind of a fun one to, to think about, uh, you know, would you have wanted to be there in the kitchen with El Bulli during the uh, during the prime time? Or would you have uh, rather have been a part of, uh, I don't know, Gramsci Tavern in the first few years here? Or is there a restaurant out there in uh, in the world right now that he's particularly uh, 
excited about that that he wished that in a different life he could sort of jump in and get involved with that team it's such a terrific question it's it's Thanks. like a, a restaurant's restaurateur's spin on the question like who would you want to dine with you know living or bit. dead or something a but it's, i've never heard that before yeah well, yeah. now, now I'm curious to hear your answer to that question. Oh, I don't know. Can I put Maybe, you on the spot? Oh, I feel like I have to give it some thought. But, you know, you mentioned El Bulli, and I never dined there. Right. So I wish I had dined there, and I, I think that would probably be pretty fascinating to be in that right. kitchen. Yeah. So there, there's my answer. Okay, good. <laughs> I would want to work there and have a meal. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Yeah. I've been to Tickets in Barcelona, their yeah. brother's restaurant, and I had one of the most fabulous solo dining experiences there. So oh, great. Shout out to them. Okay, that's the show. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Thank you. Congratulations on your whole career and starting in-house and, thanks very and, much. and whatever is to come. Good. I'd look forward to getting you involved as a culture ambassador. Great. I'm so excited. We'll talk more about it now. Okay, so my guest today has been Benji Leibowitz. He's the founder of Inhouse, a membership club for people who care about restaurants. Their website is inhousenewyork.com. You can follow them on social media at Benji Leibowitz and at Inhouse New York. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, Bayer PR, and All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And also, uh, you can subscribe to my show. And also, send me an email if you're interested in sponsoring my show. I am looking for sponsors. And my email is sherry at sherrybayer.com. Thanks to my engineer today, Matt. And thanks again to Benji and his publicist, Laura. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week with another live show. I hope you will tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.